Welcome to For the Love of Books, a podcast by North Lancashire Libraries. Hi everyone, welcome back to the North Lancashire Libraries podcast for the love of books. My name is Chris Wilson, the e-services librarian and happy book week Scotland everyone. It is almost the end of the week now but there has been some fantastic events in the libraries and we do have a few more to go before the end of the week and because it has been book week Scotland I decided to get in touch with Alison Gilbraith, the storyteller and author of Lanarkshire Folktales, because the theme for Book Week Scotland this year is Scot- uh, Scotland's stories. So, and she has got some fantastic local folktales in that book, and it was a great opportunity to speak to her, hear a little bit more about some of the tales in there, how she got the book put together, and all that kind of stuff. So, if you want to find out a little bit more about that, do listen on and find out from Alison herself. Hi Alison, welcome to uh, our podcast um, and for coming along to speak to us during Book Week Scotland. It's a great honour to have you on the podcast, so thank you for coming along. Um, my, my pleasure, thank you for inviting me. You're very welcome and I think people probably best know you for, for storytelling and of like traditional tales and folk tales and things like that. What got you interested in that to start off with? What made you kind of get started with doing, doing, that, doing that kind of thing? Folk tales and storytelling go right back probably to my very first job. When I left school, I was a community librarian for a year. And so I loved books and and community librarian, nice wee job. It was was only for a year, but I I seem to remember travellers' children would leave school at lunchtime and come into my, my community library on the way to their houses and I used to read stories to them. I'd let them choose a book and do what any good librarian does, <laughs> encourage yeah. them to, to get into stories and books. And I, I loved reading out stories. So I did have a, a theatrical mother who who was a good actress. She ran the Amdram. So I did get coached <laughs> in acting and reading from a very early age. So I think it was probably way back in the blood the family blood yeah i mean i think it's uh, i i do i i haven't done uh, i've been kind of working um as a librarian for a long time now but i've kind of working in a bit of an online setting most of the time but i did enjoy doing a lot of the kind of storytelling type things whenever you have like school visits and stuff like that into the, the class and, and into the libraries and stuff so i, I can I, I do kind of get why it's kind of quite a fun thing to do and enjoy whenever you're getting into it and things like that so I can kind of I fully appreciate that that's that's where maybe kind of started from and interest came from. So, and um, yeah, and having a kind of family member who's kind of brought that into you a little bit as well, obviously, kind of probably quite a big influence on you, I would imagine. Yeah, and you know, if you think back that far to where do you first hear stories, you know, mum and dad would tell me bedtime stories, and my yeah. father he told one that was a story told to him by his mother and his granny. So it was a, a family tale. And I think that was my favorite. I, I loved a lot of the picture books, but the one dad told without a book, that one stayed with me. I, I use <laughs> that story when I'm storytelling. And um, and my dad, he was with the Merchant Navy. My family were from Greenock and dad, he was a an officer in the boiler room. So dad told us stories from his travels around the sea um, so yes, but I mean, it's it's not 
yeah, I'm not, I'm not anything special, Chris. I, everybody is a storyteller. <laughs> Everybody's families have got the wee stories from their grannies and their grandpas. So you know, it's it's in the blood. Maybe it's a Scottish thing. Yeah, I think I think like you say, I think we'll, uh, at least at least in, the, in all families are always usually at least one person who likes to kind of get, give a good story. I know my family, my dad's definitely the storyteller. I think in our families. He, and he always kind of looks for new people to tell the stories to that, that everyone's heard a million <laughs> times that he's revealed. So, yeah, I think I think that is kind of maybe as a Scottish thing, like you say, it could be kind of part of the kind of family tradition to have a kind of someone who retells the stories from from a from past history of families and stuff. The, the the one of the one of the reasons why we've got you on the podcast today is to talk about um your the book that you wrote um about Blanchard folk tales um which is the title of the book it's packed with loads of great titles uh, tales from across the whole of the area and where did the inspiration come for creating that book? Oh, Lanarkshire folk tales. Well, oof, that was <laughs> quite a long time ago, at least six, maybe even seven years ago the director of the Scottish Storytelling Centre in Edinburgh, Donald Smith, he suggested to me that I write to the History Press and collect Lanarkshire folk tales for them because mm -hmm. the History Press, who are based down in Stroud in England, were looking for storytellers to collect the folk tales from every county in England, Ireland, Scotland, and Wales for their right. their folk tales series of the whole of the country. And they wanted it in a storyteller's voice. Right. You know, with, with the, they, they thought, <laughs> well, you're the people out there telling stories to modern audiences. So if we get the tales of a county collected through the storyteller's voice, that's, that's what we're looking for. So I was asked to do that and I, I put it on hold for quite a while thinking, oh, I haven't got the time ever to sit and write, and I'm not a writer. But um, eventually, after about five years of procrastination and a bit of research here and there, and also you know, looking after my parents as they grew elderly and sick and died, yeah. it, it was a long, long process putting it together. But it was quite a relief to see it in print last year. It came out 21. Yeah, I'll I'll often think it must it must be quite a satisfying thing whenever you you have spent so long kind of putting together a, a either kind of collection of stories like like yours or or just a kind of tr more traditional novel or whatever to finally get to that point where it is published and and out there for people to see. Also, probably a bit nerve wracking, I would imagine, to kind of see how what people think of it. I would never you could first get a chance to see it. Yeah, because you're so. You're so close to those stories. You've you've relived them and rewritten them that many times. And do you know you're never happy with it? The the you might feel quite pleased as at the time, but then you look back and you think, oh, oh, I could tweak this, I could tweak that, and now I know a wee bit more because mm. life keeps on going and you keep on meeting people, historians, folk with a wee snippet of information here <laughs> and there. But but that I think it's all covered because they are folk stories, which means that it doesn't mean they're they're made up fantasy. It means it's just been passed on from generation to generation, people to people. Yeah, yeah, and, and like I said, there must be a lot of work and research put into kind of putting it all together. I would imagine there must be a lot of work put in, in that in that those six years must be a kind of quite a big task. It's such a big area. I mean, you think of 
all of Lanarkshire, right down to Led Hills, and then all the way up the river, and of course into Glasgow, which was part of Lanarkshire. I explain the boundaries of the county in the uh, the introduction, yeah. which you know I was learning as I as I wrote it because I wasn't aware that it had been 1975 there'd been the change of boundary where Glasgow wasn't officially part of Lanarkshire anymore. But, but you know, anywhere you go in Glasgow, the older folk still think of themselves as being part of Lanarkshire. Um, <laughs> and Renfrewshire, I believe, way back was was Lanarkshire and Eastern Bartonshire. So it was just a huge county. Yeah. And, I think I made the mistake right right back when I started researching. Um, I think I thought we were the largest county, and I must have said that to the publisher at one point because that initially they put that out in the publicity. But of course, I'd done my research by now and realised no, we're definitely not the biggest landmass of any of the counties in Scotland, but the largest population. So we yeah. got that corrected swiftly. <laughs> <laughs> and. and Amongst the stories, do you have any particular favourite amongst them that that stand out to you that or kind of kind of felt kind of touched you as a as a personal story or anything like that? There's a oh, I've got to give you the honest answer. There's a few. There's you know I've I've <laughs> over the the last year since it's been published, you know I've I've said to myself, oh this I've told a story at a gathering or a night and thought oh that is my favourite, that's my favourite, but that's changed a few times. So last week I would have told you something different to this week. <laughs> I think there's three stand out for me though. Um, shall I tell you who they are? Yeah, story? of course. Yeah. The, the first one I would have classed as a favourite is called the Black. Clydesdale mm -hmm. and that was a true story told to me by a woman called Charlotte Howitt and Charlotte lived near Blackwood in um, the farm. Now what the farm was almost the same name as the family name Howitt Farm and that's on the edge of Blackwood and Carluke and I met Charlotte at a storytelling night in Lanark oh, way back 2008 or seven and she told this family story. So a, a real tale that came from her father and mother. And it was about Queenie, the Black Clydesdale horse. Okay. And, and it's it was so touching. And I recorded Charlotte telling the story when I did a course in Scottish folklore. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to collect stories from farmers and people who knew about the land and the wildlife they'd seen come and go. and. Very sadly, Charlotte died a few years back, but her son, who is a friend, Robert Howitt, gave me permission to retell Charlotte's story in Lanarkshire Folktales. So that was a favourite. And again, it's a real story. Um, you know, it's not all myth and legend that, that becomes part of a folktale collection. Yeah. But another favourite was one called Katie Nevy's Horde. Um, that's literally from, I can see the place it's about out my window, Black <laughs> Hill. And it's, there's a viewpoint there. You, people in these parts will know it as Black Hill Viewpoint. And that's, a, it's an archaeological site. They believe it was a Bronze Age fort and then an Iron Age fort on top of it. And all I had to go on for that story was two wee snippets in a collection of Scottish folklore. And there was a rhyme that had been handed down from the 18th, maybe even 19th century that said, 
between Diller Burn and Cross Ford, there lies Katie Nevy's hoard. <laughs> and, and it's one of these digging for buried treasure rhymes that were really popular in the 19th century. Yeah. And, and, you know, between Diller Hill, Dillisburn and Cross Ford, well, there's quite a few hills, but, but Black Hill's the one that stood out for me. So there was a lot of invention of my own in that story based on some very old folktale um, gems about people having standing stones blown up on their land because of the belief that there was buried treasure in the area. So you could persuade people when they weren't in work to come in and blow up your, your standing stones and create dike stones for dike walls by saying, well, you, if you find the treasure, you can keep it. <laughs> but we don't know if the treasure was ever found. <laughs> people might want to, want to kind of still look for it then after, after reading your, your book, see if they can oh, discover it. <laughs> and, and do you know my other favourite story? And it's really, it's very fitting because... Um, it was by Ian Hamilton QC, who died very recently, last week or the week before. He was, um, I think he was in his mid to late 90s. But he had a story that was supposed to be the Hamilton story of why the Cadzow oak trees were planted, which right. are at, near Chatelaroe, yeah. just, you know, just outside where Hamilton Palace would have stood. And it was the Duke of Hamilton told his father, and him this tale. And I was very lucky to get permission from Ian Hamilton QC to retell his family tale in this collection. But but he was a very generous, very intelligent man. When I asked his permission, he said, of course, of course you may retell it. This is a folk story. That is for the people. That's what they're for, retelling. So he wasn't precious in ownership of his <laughs> tale. Um, and it's a it's a really good story. People enjoy that one a lot. Yeah, and I think the, the book is full of some great stories. And I think the great thing about it being um, kind of so... Uh, kind of widen its scope in terms of places that are covered. I think there's probably something somewhere everywhere that everyone will in that latch will kind of relate to in some way, and and kind of really kind of kind of know maybe either know, either know this part of the story or or um, or have heard kind of something to do with it or know the places that are mentioned stuff like that in it, which I think is part of the kind of charm of kind of the folk tales and things like that. I think. Yes, yeah, they're 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 the folk stories. It's a, uh, it's and and everybody, do you know, people add to it when I go out and I I get to go into a community and share some of the stories. More comes back to you from folks' memories. That's yeah. that's why your first question about you you pleased with this. You, you oh, you just want to go back and rewrite and rewrite. <laughs> when you feel when you find out more wee details and bit quirks of history, yeah. It does. Yeah. Folk, folk tales belong to the people. And and I'm guessing probably that whenever you were kind of researching the book that you probably came across stories that have, hasn't made it into the book. Is that the case? A few, yes, absolutely. Um, Glasgow in particular had lots of story, ghost stories and tales of murder. And, you know, there's only so many ghost stories in it. <laughs> of murder you want in one volume. <laughs> um, there was a couple from South Lanarkshire that I've actually reserved back from, from this book for um, the local, now what are they called, Lanark and District Archaeological Society are planning a book of Clydesdale curiosity stories. So I kept 
two cracking tales back for that book. I, I can't I can't tell you when it's going to be printed, but you know, watch this space. Yeah. That'll come out. So there's a couple of lovely tales for that. Um I made a dreadful mistake of forgetting to include Cumbernauld because it wasn't in my original old map. And I've got a really nice wee tale from Cumbernauld. But again, watch this space that that might get into print in the near future. <laughs> so um and, and other stories that were just to know something to do in, in, with the in the right teller or the right person tells that story and they'll be wonderful and we'll all appreciate it but they didn't feel right in my hands you know it, it yeah. just wasn't part of my cultural background or i didn't feel that i knew the area that well so there's a few didn't make it in just because they weren't the right story for me to tell yeah, I, well, one of my favourites in the collection is the one um, about the Bartram the Giant from, of Shorts. Oh, um, yes. I, I'm, a, I'm a Salisbury boy myself, so it's kind of close ah. to where, where um, I grew up, and, and I know Kate's well, it's mentioned in it very well. Um, and I, I grew up kind of hearing sort of clips of stories about a giant and things like that whenever I was little. Um, and I had, but I had never kind of really heard like kind of a, a, a full tale like I feel like like you've got in your book. So it was kind of really interesting for me to kind of hear more about that story. Um, there's a there's an area of Salisbury that's got a big big hill, um, mm -hmm. and there's a kind of smaller mountain next to it. And, I, and that's where that's where I'd kind of heard about it before because because the story that I was told was that that was supposed to be the giant buried underneath the ground, and that's why the, the hill was there and and the oh. mound was supposed to be his head, which is the without wanting to kind of give too many spoilers is how he <laughs> end, end, ends up uh, in, in your story as well. So I think I think really I was just reading that one because um, it kind of had that kind of personal kind of part to me, you know. Your connection, yeah, storytelling's about connection, isn't it? And local tales connect us all. Um, did you know about the well, Katie? And I know that's still there. Uh -huh. And there's a, you know, there's a wee memorial at Katie's well. But did you know about the water was meant to be particularly good for people's pet fish? No, yeah, no, I hadn't heard that before. I mean, I, I grew up in Katie's well, and actually, and. Um, depending on who you spoke to at the time whether whether they told you whether the, the water was good or bad at Catesville um, but, uh -huh. I, but I, I, I remember as a child kind of visiting Catesville quite a few times and, and it was always kind of part of the kind of journey was to kind of stop there and fill your water bottle and things like that sort of stuff if you were on your bike and things oh. and, and so, so as it was, it was interesting kind of hearing it put in a, into a kind of proper tale, you know, and and having hearing about the kind of history behind the well and things like that sort of stuff. But yeah, it's, it's interesting to kind of hear that part of it too. I think um, so. I would have had various places to research online's obviously the quickest and the easiest, and yeah. there's a great local folktale history online research base, and that's um what's it called doorstep history now i don't know if it's still there but that was run by um jennifer mcfadgen had written up her interest in folklore so that's where i first learned about the giant of shots and yeah. when you when you're putting a folktale book collection together you're looking for wizards and fairies and giants and kelpies and brunies <laughs> and so a giant i was like well i have to i have to do more research on this um and you know, it looks like he, you know, I believe he existed. 
um, Bertram de Schotts, and he would have been six foot something, which would have been tall for the day. Yeah. He was a highwayman, robbing from the rich to give to the poor, and he's supposed to have given his name when he laughed up in the face of Demurehead, who was, you know, about to dispatch poor Bertram. Yeah. And there's an area of land was called Lord Hope, Loch Hope. And yeah. it's we're using Scots words, Loch, L-A-U-C-H. Loch Hope was the area of land given to Demurehead for dispatching the highwayman. Um, and I did check on maps. There was definitely a Loch Hope and a Lord Hope mentioned in the place names. Yeah. Of, so there's some definite genuine history yeah. wrapped up in folk legend with that one, I think. Yeah. And... It's, it's interesting to kind of, kind of see those words kind of connect for things that you, you you know like like that and then there's a local street in Chapel Hall which is fairly close to Salisbury and things like that so there might be uh -huh. some kind of connection with that kind of area and things like that as well so yes yeah, it's, 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 it was fascinating new for me and another one of the, the nearby stories um to that one is the the maggie maggie ramsey the witch oh. of old Airdrie one which yep. has been the focus of one of the projects you've been doing with the Airdrie library quite recently um do you want to tell us a little bit about uh that story first of all yes maggie ramsey the witch of the old north burn um i had just two very good sources for that story which had been printed as serial stories in the local newspaper in the 1940s and then William Erskine whose, whose work it was, the writer, they were put into a collection of the Book of Airdrie and so it, there were other snippets about Maggie Ramsey online, slightly different variations of who she was but the woods where I meet just close to the library are mm -hmm. called the Maggie Ramsey Woods. And that's where the the librarians, um, Andrew Finney and Judy Maguire, for the Scotland's Year of Storytelling 2022, they asked me to come in and run some heritage storytelling walks through the Maggie Ramsey Woods. Yeah. And I think we've done I think we're up to five now and the very last one is um i think it's next week i think we have our last maggie ramsey walk next week and that has been an absolute joy taking the folk tale and the story back into the the landscape where it was said to have happened and we've had great turnouts each time, ah, apart from the last one, which was a shame because the weather had been rotten and then the day of the storytelling, <laughs> it was baking hot, which was, you know, a bit unusual for October. We, Judy and I were the, <laughs> ended up with our jackets off. It was so warm. Um, so, yes, I would say to people, if they want to book up for the last one, it's worth coming because the story changes ever so slightly each time because Maggie Ramsey was reputed to have been a woman whose husband was press ganged into the Navy, leaving her to fend for herself. And the only way she knew to make a living was to harvest some of the plants along the old North Burn and make lotions and potions. And um, she would have had some herbal medicine knowledge and made up cures, but it was mostly she was making uh, posies to go under your pillow at night. So you would dream of your true love 
and she was a, a spay wife, I think they, is one description. She could read palms and tea leaves. Yeah. And when we take this walk out in the story along the North Burn, of course, as the seasons have changed, so have the plants that grow. And there's just a massive selection of wild plants still growing there. And I look up each each time we take the walk, I, I, I consult my my herbal books and find out the folklore about the plants that are growing. So a couple of people have come on every walk yeah. and they're delighted because the information changes as the season develops and the plants grow. So um, also I, I tell the main story of Maggie Ramsey, but I can always squeeze in some little extra tales to make sure it's fresh every different <laughs> walk. But um, Maggie Ramsey, yeah, fascinating. It was it's tied together with a storm that was meant to have happened in 1780. And yeah. there's a story from East Kilbride in the book, which also refers to this dreadful storm that was meant to have raged for a week wow. across parts of central Scotland. Um, and 1780, that's only 40 years after the Witchcraft Act had been repealed in Scotland. So people, it's still very much in the folks' minds yeah. that the devil's out there causing any harm or disasters like storms or your crops failing. And during the witchcraft trials and the hunts of Scotland, the church had the firm belief that the devil was rampant in the land and that he could uh, coerce people into helping him. So those ideas were still around. And that's why Maggie Ramsey, with her tea leaf reading and her palm reading and her herbal cures, was likened to being a witch. Um, and then people, the stories, the wonderful folk stories have grown up around the area since her time, saying that she cursed the North Burn and that anybody that misused the land or the waters would meet a dreadful end. And mm. so for a couple of hundred <laughs> years, those stories have grown and developed. Yeah. And, you know, if every time we did the walk, um, somebody would add their own little bit of local history. One woman said her father said when he was a young man, he would skip out after tea and he would come to the the Bray there, the Maggie Ramsey Bray, or the area was known as Fiddle Naked. So that goes back before Maggie's day that it was <laughs> likened to be a place where witches gathered and that he would hide his tobacco on the hillside and he would go out for a smoke after his dinner, unbeknown to his parents. <laughs> 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 but yeah, I've, I've gathered lovely tales from the folk who've come to join the walks along the way. Yeah, and I, I like you were saying that that's part of the, the fantastic thing for stories because because they've all always having a kind of group of people like that here in the story. There are people who can maybe add little bits to it and things like that as as you go along as well, which is fantastic. I think by the time we put this podcast out, the last story walk will have actually been already, but um, oh. but hopefully uh, everyone who's been on them has enjoyed them thoroughly, and it's been a great experience for everyone that's been on it, um, and I've really enjoyed it. Is it something you've enjoyed being taking part in and, and kind of having the kind of challenge of different groups coming along each time and kind of telling the story to different age different age groups, different kind of people and things? Yes, like? yes, because it has been mixed age groups. So when when you get the different ages together, you know we get the the terminology it's intergenerational mm -hmm. and uh, real magic happens when you've got a grandparent 
sharing with the the young one and everybody in between yeah everybody it, it becomes a community event that really like it's the people's it's the people's arts uh, you know it's for the people it's by the people and you share it amongst the people so uh, it it's a good community spirit i've loved it i, I I've, I've learned so much from folk who come along and you know been a slightly nervous oh how do i keep this fresh and alive each time i've not had to you know i've, I, I've worried unnecessarily because each time you go along the landscape the trees have gone through their they're almost their six month cycle so we've seen yeah. the spring buds turn into the full harvest of the summer and the autumn and now the leaves are fading and all the fungi are up and the plants have all changed so it, it's it's been really special to do this I, mean, I feel deeply honored to have been asked and yeah I, i've learned an awful lot from taking the same story walk to the same place for six months yeah, yeah. It's, it's been an experience i've, I've loved and, and certainly from whenever I've spoken to, to Judy and Drew about it, it does seem as if the, who have, the people who have been on the walks have really got a lot out of it as well and really enjoyed it from the feedback that they've received as well, which is fantastic. And the the very, the very first one, I think, was a bit of a special one as well, because I'm, I'm right in thinking there was a, a company in music to go along with that one as well. It, it, yes. Um, the, the very first one, I had applied to the village storytelling festival now the village are in glasgow in pollock shields pollock shores i mix those two up anyway it's a storytelling <laughs> center in glasgow they had put out um a tender for people to take part in their festival and one of them was a digital commission and a young filmmaker i knew who was keen to record me telling a story with a musician i applied for the funding and we got it. So we combined that with the first Maggie Ramsey walk and a wonderful violinist, Shannon Stevenson, came along and played violin in the landscape in the fiddle naked field next to a burnt out car. <laughs> you couldn't make it up. Um, and she played some beautiful pieces of Scottish folk music on fiddle alongside you know she played the devil's part in the maggie ramsey story <laughs> everything there but the naked dancers and and so that was an added treat and um the film was made and then i actually went on rather than just get the wee digital commission to get one of the the main pieces for the festival and i put that on it was called nefarious practices so it was a film and a live performance at the cca in glasgow and um nefarious practices the title for my show came from maggie ramsey's stories the church had served a censure on maggie ramsey at one point for her tea leaf reading and telling people their fortunes and had told her that she had to cease her nefarious practices so that had come from the actual story um yes and and i got to take part in july in the the last night of the the storytelling festival yeah it was a great experience yeah it sounds fantastic and and i believe what was by the time it goes out as well i think all the events already happened but there's also going to be a showing of the of the film as well um and your library which hopefully people have managed to come along to and see as well and either kind of experience that first walk for them for the first time or also after they have been on, on the walk they can kind of come and see see the, the film uh, they, they, were, they were part of which is fantastic yes and i hope to come along to that too 
and and the film's shot in black and white so it's very atmospheric so almost you almost get that you were in a different day and age when maggie was was there walking the burn picking herbs Fantastic. And you, now you gave us a little bit of kind of insight earlier on to this one, but I, I was going to ask you, is there any, any compliance to, as a sort of follow-up to Lanchard Folk Tales, like a kind of a, a sort of new set of tales that might come might have kind of came, came to light or, or, or was kind of putting that collection uh, together enough of research for you? You, you had to know, though, that you've, you've got a couple of things kind of in the pipeline with a few of the tales that like, didn't quite make it into it, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh-huh. so um, a good story from South Lanarkshire about the building of Craig Nethan Castle, um, an old ballad which was about the 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 witch supposed to be well, not a witch. What is she exactly? The spirit of Tinto Hill. Um, so there's a couple of stories that are going into the Archaeological Society's book when that comes out. A, a wee cracking tale, like I say, from Castle Carey, Cumbernauld, might make it into a, 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 a reprint of Lanarkshire Folk Tales when it comes out. Uh-huh. Okay. But as I say, the, the rest of the tales that didn't make it in, I think there was enough to make up a, a spooky collection of ghost stories. So uh, I've, I've not talked to any publishers about that yet, but <laughs> you, you never know. I do never have know. a I do have a file full of notes on the ones that didn't make it in. I don't think I've enough for another volume like Lanarkshire Folk Tales, though. But you never know. Give it a few years, Chris, and yeah. <laughs> if I, if we keep doing heritage walks and storytelling where the public can come and share their own tales that that yeah. book might happen yet <laughs> yeah fantastic and it'd be fantastic to see more um of the kind of t- folk tales of actually kind of put together like that and, and accessible and and i i kind of i was thinking about it earlier when we were talking about how you were talking about how they kind of they pass down generation and, and i think your book is something that could be quite interesting for people to experience way in the future whenever they can look back and they'll be able to kind of see the stories as as they are and kind of maybe add parts to the stories as, as themselves and things like this it's a wonderful way how folk tales work and, and how they kind of grow arms and legs a little bit as as time passes and things <laughs> so, so you never know it could kind of be an interesting kind of thing for people in the future to kind of come across and and kind of experience those tales for the first time and things like that as well do you have any exciting plans for the future, the next, the next kind of wee while as well? Have you got anything in the, uh, happening that's, that would be kind of interesting for any of the listeners to kind of find out about? Well, we've got Book Week Scotland coming up. I think I am in some local schools and um, cafes, library cafes. But I think the only real exciting thing I've got coming up is uh, a new collection of folk tales, but for children will be coming out next spring uh, with the same publisher, the History Press. I, I sat during the lockdown and every time I walked past toddlers out for walks with their parents, I saw fear in the poor wee one's <laughs> eyes. They hadn't <laughs> met people. Everybody was wearing masks. And I thought, oh, we're going to need a lot of healing laughter and help for the children coming out of this pandemic situation. So I collected my very favourite funny folk tales that have a good laugh involved in them and the publisher have we've put that together and that'll come out next spring funny folk tales for children so and i mean it says for children but again it's intergenerational yeah, i think parents and grandparents should be getting those books and 
enjoying them just as much because some of the folk tales are, are just classically hilarious stories that work for every age. The child within all of us, no matter what age you are, likes definitely. a good laugh. Definitely, <laughs> so, definitely. So, so that's that's my my <laughs> bit of news for the future that I'm looking forward to. Yeah, no, that sounds fantastic. And I'm sure anyone who has uh, adults who have read like Josh Folk Tales will definitely definitely enjoy that too. So it kind of add into the kind of collection of, of folk tales that, that are out there and things. But that's that's all my questions that I've got for you, Alison. Thank you very much for coming and being part of our Book Week Scotland podcast. And it's been great to hear a little bit more about some of the, the folk tales in your book and also the kind of project that you've been running with the Airdrie Library over the, the course of the last few months and things like that. It's been a great chance to kind of hear more a little bit more about that and hear some some a little bit more of the background than some of the stories from your book as well so thank you for coming in and speaking oh, to me my pleasure thank you for asking and you know all the budding folklorists out there keep it up this is the connection that keeps us all learning together thank you you're welcome thank you very much I hope you enjoyed hearing directly from Alison all about her book, Lanchar Folktales, and also finding out a little bit more about the project she's been doing with Airdrie Library, Folktales of Lanchar. There is a little bit of a follow-up to that. The story, the story walks have finished at the moment, but there are some follow-up workshops happening as well, which are some creative writing, illustration workshops, and some tile painting workshops as well. So there's more information about that to come. Do check out our website for more details about that if it's something you think you might be interested in. Uh, it would be definitely worth getting involved in. And the other big event that we've got to tell you a little bit more about is the murder in the museum. There's a few tickets left for it, so do get in quickly if you do fancy it. It has been selling well and there is only a few tickets left if you want to get along to that event. And there is on, on the website you can sign up and book the tickets or you can also add to our official playlist for the event which is 80s themed because the event does have an 80s theme it is called revenge of the leg warmers and you can submit a song on there to create a part of our playlist which is promoting playlists for life as well so that's all for now for, for us guys if you have enjoyed this podcast do leave us a little bit of feedback using hashtag flb podcast on twitter or by dropping us an email at librarypodcast at northland.gov.uk and we will see you all again soon. Bye for now. Bye.